This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone. Uh, careful on the roads out there. It's very slick and slippery, especially on those on and off ramps. So be careful if you're traveling, especially here on the Avalon Peninsula. I understand other parts of the province uh, faring much better than we are right now. It's not especially stormy, but that little bit of snow is making all the difference, and the roads are very slick. Well, Newfoundland and Labrador has a number of important founding populations. And, of course, the folly here, Dave, when I do this kind of thing is that you're going to miss someone, so you'll forgive me. Um, they're the Beothic, of course, and the Inuin, Inuit in, in Labrador, followed by the Mi'kmaq. Uh, there are many people descended from those involved with the migratory fishery, people from France, of course, and the Jersey Islands, and the West Country in England, uh, Waterford, Wexford areas of Ireland. And just over 100 years ago came a group of Syrian and Lebanese families who made an immediate impact on the province with businesses on Belle Island, St. John's, Corner Brook. You already know many of the names. They're famous. We all know them. Michael, Altine, Teuton, Gazain, Lucas, Basha, and Andrews. Well, my guest today is a proud descendant of some of those families. Actor, producer, business owner, uh, triple threat, Terry Andrews. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> Great. Um, and I noticed that uh, the Heritage uh, NL did a, a recent blog with you on the Lebanese community. And I said, wow, fascinating stuff. Such an important impact that the Lebanese community had on Newfoundland and Labrador and uh, affected almost all of our lives. And just going over some of those names re- makes you realize the impact. Uh you know, and you're right, it is all over the island and all up the Labrador. When I started going back into the history of my family, and uh, I, you know, I didn't know, my grandfather was up as a tinker for a while in the turn of the century up in the Labrador. So, yeah, that was the culture, and you established and moved out, and, you know, they, they, they brought the influence and they brought their work ethic and everything else, and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of cultural, um, impact too all over all over Newfoundland and Labrador for certain so what's your specific connection now to the to the Lebanese community well my dad was um, Chrissy Andrews and when my grandfather my grandfather was from Hadat al in in Lebanon as was my grandmother um, the Michaels my grandmother was a Michaels my uh, which Back there, the name is Aliyah, and my grandfather's name was Andreas. And of course, when they moved over here, they all either took, you know, one, their their grandfather or father's first name, or anglicized their names and so on when they when they came to the country. So, um, so that's where my connection is. It's direct. I'm the next generation. Dad was Lebanese, and mom's Irish. That was kind of interesting <laughs> sometimes. But, uh, yeah, so I can trace it back and did trace it back a while ago. I went back to Lebanon and, yeah, traced the family back. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that now in a minute. But um, so what, what is your specific family's history? When did they come here and where did they end up? Well, uh, from what I can, um, you know, gather from family and also doing some research uh, for, you know, different uh, 
different events that we had and and also a home that I bought where it turned out was my grandfather's home and I didn't know it at one point. Um, th- my grandfather came over just before the turn of the century in late late 1800s, uh, came with his cousin and and uh, another man came through, I believe Ellis Island up through Nova Scotia, ended up in Newfoundland and uh, brought the family over at some point. But from there, uh, his family and other families um, would bring over typically, you know, someone would settle here and then bring over family and then they would spread out. So they were merchant families or tinkers at the time. And, uh, you know, some of the names that you noted that, you know, are pretty big in Gander, Grand Falls, Cornerbrook, Belle Island, all over the place. They originally came to a, a center and then a brother or a cousin or someone went out and established a, a branch of the business, you know. So my grandfather um, came here, came to Harbor Grace for a little while, uh, went up the Labrador on some, you know, vessel a couple of times at least, uh, came back then moved to St. John's, established a business on New Gower Street, as many of them did in that area. There was that was a a, a hub there with a lot of Lebanese families, a lot of Lebanese uh, businesses, and uh, I actually first year of my life was on you know in my grandmother's house on New Gower Street, and then the first decade of it, I spent an awful lot of time there. So I'm that generation of Lebanese who can still remember it. And uh, it was a pretty fascinating, wonderful place. Did they speak English? Did they have to learn English? Um, well, uh, they had to learn English. My my grandmother spoke English. My grandfather spoke English. But it was a really interesting thing that, and and she could speak various languages uh, as could he, but could only read and write Arabic. So uh, it was an interesting thing that when. Uh, you know, I was 10 or 11 years old, and she would sometimes get correspondence, and it would be written in English. Uh, she actually could speak several languages, but could not could only read and write Arabic, so I'd read the letters to her as a little one. Um, so, yeah, they... <laughs> They, they they had French. They they spoke French because, of course, Lebanon at the time, or wasn't Lebanon when they came. They were they traveled on Syrian passports. They were Syrian before Leban, Lebanon uh, separated, and uh, it was French English or French Arabic. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the French connection. Of course, uh, they would be speaking French. Yeah, yeah, they did. And when I, um, you know, when I went over and went into the village where they uh, where they grew up, their their language was Arabic French. Arabic oh, French. My. Yeah, Arabic and French. So. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so we yeah we did a little little video. Uh, you know, to send back a message to, and and when my cousin uh, Lorraine Michael went over, same thing, you know, she visited and they sent back videos to say hello to the family back here. And it was all awful. Say. <laughs> yeah, very, uh, very interesting indeed. So um, where did they come from in Lebanon or Syria at the time? Hadith uh, al-Jebbe, which is in northern uh, Lebanon, up in the mountains. And... Um, you know, I, uh, when I went over, I guess we were about two and a half hours, maybe. I, I, I can't really remember. Maybe three hours outside of Beirut. It's not a huge country. 
but it's a diverse country. It was gorgeous. But yeah, we were, you know, when I was driving by, I was going, oh my God, look at those mountains over there. It's like being in Switzerland somewhere. And you know, my uh, my driver, who was my adopted little brother now, saying, oh yeah, that's Syria. And I'm going, we're that close. And she, yep, that's, that's Syria. So we were, we're right up there on the northern border. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that because I saw a, a documentary not too long ago, and it was showing it was you know traveling through what is now Lebanon, and um, they they spent quite a bit of time up in those mountains, and I was mm-hmm. struck by just how breathtakingly beautiful it is and how I had never seen images of the mountains in Lebanon before. When I think about Lebanon, you think about, you know, that that whole Mediterranean area where it tends to be a little bit drier and more arid and and probably warmer. But this was very temperate and in some cases a little bit cold. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I used to say to Sydney, that's grandmother, um, you know, you don't mind the weather here, city. She said, my God, that's what it's like at home. <laughs> because, you know, you get up there and there's there's snow on the mountaintops in the summer. When I was there, I was there in the summer and when, leaving Beirut um, and going just outside Beirut, like being in Barcelona or, you know, Mediterranean, it's gorgeous. And you drive for a couple of hours and you're in Switzerland. Truly, it's a diverse, fabulous, gorgeous country. But I'm not surprised that the people who moved to Canada could adapt uh, so easily because, you know, it was winter up in the mountains when it was winter. And uh, but summers are summers and they're gorgeous. You know, I'd, I'd love to spend more time there. But there you go. And the trees and the wilderness. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I think, um, you know, the cedars of Lebanon is is of course, that's what the uh, the flag is. But uh, it's a small area now where there's so many cedars. But when you go in there, we went into places where you go into underground, um, on boats underground, going through all these caverns with all of the, the dripping water and, oh, God, and then come outside and the trees are so thick. And it's and it's uh, northern trees, you know, cedars. And then you go down and there'll be palm trees when you, you go below, <laughs> below a certain point, you know, and... Uh, just a fabulous, gorgeous place, but and very, very. People are singing, people are dancing, people are happy, and and the people who came here brought that with them. Because I remember, in my childhood, and even now too, you know, we don't get together and we're not physically uh, as close as my grandparents and parents were down there in that little community, um, you know, in the Nugower Street area and, and surrounding areas. But we, when we get together, it's still the same thing. It's food and music and family and that has carried over the generations and I think that defines uh, that defines what Lebanese is for me. There's such a strong sense of um, family and community. And I want to ask you more about that when we come back after the break. Our guest today on On Target is Terry Andrews. We're, we're talking about uh, the very strong Lebanese community here in Newfoundland and Labrador. We'll be back right after this. Weekdays on VOCM, it's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking. Our guest today on On Target is uh, Terry Andrews, and we're talking about the Lebanese community in Newfoundland and Labrador. And uh, Terry, you mentioned that your f- grandfather came over with a with a cousin, and they arrived in Ellis Island. And when you think about it, you're on Ellis Island, you're looking over, and there is the cityscape of <laughs> New York, one of the greatest cities in the world. And your grandfather said, "Ah, 
I'm going to go to Canada. <laughs> I'm going up north. Uh, yeah. What prompted him to come here? God, I, I wish I could have asked him. <laughs> he he passed away, you know, a long time before I was born. And I didn't really know that. I always thought that he'd come through, um, through Halifax and did. But I found papers that had him and two others coming through Ellis Island up and up through. But I think the intention was always to come to Canada. Uh, now, he had brothers that kept going, and he's got a brother in Mexico and a couple of brothers in the States. And my my grandfa- my grandmother came with her sister, Nasima and her sister, Kafa. And Siti uh, ended up, Ella ended up here, or Otley. Um, and the other two girls carried on. One ended up in Ecuador, and I think one in Peru. Uh, you know, like, uh, <laughs> be nice if you could get back into their minds and find out what actually uh, brought them out there. But you talk about pioneers, because you think back, you know, and, and we watch, you know, movies like Yellowstone and so on. And think of what things weren't then like they are now. And you weren't flying in a half a day somewhere. It uh, it was pretty... Uh, pretty brave i mean the, the the and they were all that way you know our family was just one family there was a whole uh diaspora of the people who left and part of it was religious uh you know strife that was going on over there and there was part of it um uh, was political stuff and so on so you know they were refugees and they were brave it is amazing to think of, you know, getting on board a boat, not knowing what's ahead, you know, looking at that horizon and saying somewhere on the other side of the horizon, that's where I'm going to end up. That's where I'm going to end up. And, and you know, uh, they were some of them were youngsters. They were teenagers, you know, some now, not not uh, my grandfather, but. Uh, yeah, they they were doing that. It was an interesting story. My my grandmother hadn't seen her sister Kafa in uh, you know decades, and Kafa had gone down into southern climes and lived in the mountains. and And uh, so my father told the story of bringing Siti to the airport because Kafa was coming for a visit, and and Siti hadn't seen her for uh, that's I think I said that's Arabic for grandmother, by the way. Um, she hadn't seen her sister for probably 30 years, I guess. I don't know. It was a long time. And so they were at the airport, and the plane came in, and nobody. And Siti is saying, where's Kafa? Where's Kafa? And Daddy is saying, well, I don't know. Mama, where, you know, where's Kafa? And finally, everyone left the airport, and there was one kind of weathered-looking little old lady over in a corner looking bemused. And, and Dad said, uh, Mom, is that Kaffa? And he says that my grandmother said, my God, no, that's not Kaffa. Kaffa, beautiful young girl, that old woman. And that's how much time had passed and, and distance, you know. Wow. So they were, they were striking, all of them, they were striking out on their own. They were separating. They, you know, they, they were doing what all the immigrant population and and we see so many of them now today coming to Newfoundland you know years ago with divas we we supported REAC and part of it was very very dear to my heart because I was very aware that uh, refugee immigrant um, families and and groups need support too and not just the well-known ones because I wouldn't be here except for some immigrants who had uh, you know who 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 basically face the same thing and now with the um, 
you know, we have so many people that are coming from the Ukraine and so on. So the story doesn't end. It, it, it really doesn't end. Yeah, it doesn't. And uh, sometimes you see re- history repeat itself time and time again, even even within families. It's really quite extraordinary. Oh, oh um, absolutely true. But we are the fabric. We are the fabric of our communities. And, and I think that's one of the wonderful, wonderful things. Uh, my grandmother and, uh, you know, my father always said we lucked out in ending up in Newfoundland. And there's no doubt about it. So what was life like for them uh, back home in Lebanon at the time? I'm assuming these are primarily Christian families? Yes, yeah, Christian. And um, there's, uh, you know, two two types of Catholics. And it's interesting, when I went over there, they, separ- they, they still ce- celebrated two Easters because there was... Um, um, Marianite Catholics, is which we were, and uh, to have, you know, to have a Marianite Christian Catholic service was pretty unheard of when I was a kid here. Every now and again, a priest would come over, and, and every now and again, one still does uh, from Nova Scotia somewhere. But um, you know, it was a little, a little bit different. But you know, <laughs> very, very devout people. Uh, but there was a lot of political strife and there was, you know, French territories and I'm not as up as I should be on the history, but uh, there came a time and, and big families. So, you know, not only so much to go around in the community where they came from. So in order for you to make something, uh, you had to go. And so that's, that's what they were doing. And, as you were mentioning some of the names, people don't even realize that the, the fa- there's so many families here because we know that the Bashaws and the Bolases and, you know, the Gazines and uh, Andrews and Michaels and, and so on. But the Maroons and the Dominics and the Bolases and the Belangers and the Rockwoods and the Sotheby's, they're all part Lebanese. And all uh, came from two different places in uh, Lebanon, primarily, but from two uh, two specific regions, and and ended up here. And knew where to go primarily. You said that they tended to go to the these centers where they knew they could, you know, yeah. um, make a living. We'll say. Um, I know Belle Island was big. They drew a lot of mm-hmm. Lebanese families in. Oh yeah, big time, and and. Um, as I understand it now, too, so what what would happen is someone, or in our family at least, someone comes there and then uh, says, okay, someone else comes and they, they had a store. And, for instance, on Nugower Street, well, and let's send a brother or a son or a cousin or someone's going out and they go into a smaller community because there are a lot of smaller communities down in the, uh, you know, the Buren Peninsula and so on as well. Uh, all over the island, and then they would set up a branch, if you will, or a small place with the help of family or with the help of friends or, you know, extended. We're all family. We all call each other cousin. Um, And then they would have these, you know, um, centers, if you will, and then from there they they would strike out. So that's the way it moved. That's the way uh, different members of the community were able to travel out and say carve a little spot for themselves in another small community, and that that was the link. And that's, as I understand, it's a lot of how it happened. And you said we all call each other cousin, but were there family oh, connections yeah. with a lot of these families that came over? Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, the um, uh, 
the uh, the Andrews and the Michaels. My, my grandmother was a was a Michael, uh, an Aaliyah. So that's the family name is Aaliyah. So half of you know my uh, my my grandfather was Andreas. My grandmother was Aaliyah. Michael, and uh, if you know my cousin Carol Reed is a Michael. So for me, the Michaels are family. That's my family. And there's no trouble to tell. I saw that picture that uh, you had provided to Heritage uh, NL, and I, I recognize your grandmother because, my goodness, she looks just like Lorraine. Absolutely. Absolutely. If, you know, you <laughs> you put we, – we did a big family reunion about, I don't know, about 15 years ago, um, and it was a Michaels family reunion. It was huge. We had – we had, you know uh, – Halls rented out and cousins coming from everywhere and just looking at people going, oh, my God, I'm looking at a doppelganger here all over Canada. Freddie and David and, uh, you know, all the range people coming back from everywhere. It was just amazing. And, yeah, no trouble to tell us. And, you know, it's an interesting thing because dad was very dark skinned and mom, you know, Irish complexion. And so within my family, some of us look more like dad, some of us look more like mom, and some of us, some of my sisters look more like my cousins on, uh, you know, my dad's side than they do me. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to see how those genes shake out. Hey? <laughs> yeah, they do. They're strong and they're gorgeous. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, and I want to ask you a little bit now about uh, some of the traditions they might have brought over that we might not be aware of, but you'd be very aware of when we come back after the break. Our guest today oh, okay. on On Target is Terry Andrews uh, of Lebanese, proud Lebanese descent. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. Our guest today on On Target is uh, Terry Andrews, and we're talking about the Lebanese community in Newfoundland and Labrador. And so uh, the traditions that um, your family and other families brought over to Newfoundland and Labrador, is there anything that we might not be aware of that you can say, oh, yeah, that was us? Uh, well, you know, there's lots that you would expect, but I tell you, um, some of the things that, that strike me that I wish still existed and, and we're, we're starting to, as a family, just the Andrews, we get together at Christmas time. We'll actually now rent out a hall to bring all the, the little ones and, and the extended family together, because that was the biggest thing was getting family and friends together. But I remember as a, as a very young child, all of the old ladies, so, you know, Mrs. Ellis and Mrs. Bashaw and Mrs. Bolas and Sidney and, you know, um, Auntie, the, the aunties on the Michael side and so on, they would get the family together. They would cook Lebanese food, so mishi and kibbe and hamsa and all of the things, hot, hot food. They'd pack it all up, and on a Sunday afternoon, you would find the family in on the Manuel's River or down in Barring Park. They used to have these little uh, wooden chalet things with little uh, barbecue pits or something down in, in Barring Park. So a lot of the time it was Barring Park. But going out with the family and getting everyone together to swim, and then they'd, then they'd open up the, the blankets and bring out the meal. 
So as I said, it was, you know, all about family and all about entertainment and all about meals. Well, that's basically there, but this was not sandwiches. (laughs) Uh, And uh, many, many, many times I remember in on that Manuel's River or down in Barring Park with, and then all of the, um, all of the, the elders, if you will, they'd be over in the corner, and then they would be uh, playing some Lebanese music. Sometimes, if you you know, if, if it was in a house and you had a, a record player, and so on, those records would come out and dance in the dabka and and uh, just having a great time. That was that's a memory that is pretty um, dear to me, and it struck me um, a couple of summers ago when I went up on Topsail Beach. And uh, just in the daytime with the doggy, and I looked out and I went, oh, my Lord, there were so many Syrian families up there at the time, and they were doing the same thing. And I, I, I just sat on a rock and cried. I was so happy because it truly, truly was a thing, and uh, it, it was a great thing to do. The other thing, um, it was, as I mentioned, down New Gower Street, because really that was the Lebanese and the um, and the Jewish community pretty strong down there. And it was a very, very tight community. And it's too bad because when they, you know, got new city hall and the hotels went down there, um, then it, it damaged a culture. It really did. Cause I, uh, I would go out and we would go as little kids from, you know, uh, house to house. So we would go up and say, okay, we're going to go up and see Auntie Michael. And we're going to go up now and see Mrs. Ellison. And we would, the little kids would visit and they would, you know, say, come in and have a cup of tea or so on, but back and forth from house to house. Or I'm I'm four years out, old out wandering the street and going in and out of doors. You could do that then. But uh, the, I think the sense of uh, you belonged to everybody and everybody took care of you was a very strong thing. And, oh, my God, it's wonderful to start thinking about this. My So my grandmother had her quiet time after supper on New Bower Street. And what she would do is she would go out to the front window. She'd open up the window and she'd sit on her chair in her window. And the lady across the road would open up her window and they would speak to each other through the windows. After they had put, you know, the the dishes in the sink and cleaned it all up and whatever, and uh, and and you know, just fabulous. The other thing that uh, that I remember is they had stores, and so a thing like a an eggplant or um, you know some of the peppers and things like that, you couldn't get them in supermarkets here, but you could at these stores all down there, um, and chalking on the windows the uh, you know what the price was of the day and and the barrels and the cats sitting on the the barrels when I went up into this village in um, Lebanon it was the same it was just like walking back into my childhood just amazing Um, and you mentioned the picnics and that um, and I remember I was talking to Sean Basha who used to work here of course and uh, I I came across a a picture somewhere um, in social media world of uh, a family of Bashas in Corner Brook and the same thing big picnic thing and this was going back to the turn of the last century all dressed to the nines uh, out in this beautiful (laughs) field and the blanket and the baskets and the food and the food and the food. 
And the food and the food. Yes, they did. And then those get togethers where everyone had to take a turn singing or dancing or, you know, playing the piano. They could, it's, it's like they could play anything. They play a pot if there was nothing else to play. But that's that's exactly right. Because I remember, you know, dad going over to see cousins. OK, there was someone. Chrissy was coming or, you know, one of the other cousins was coming. And there was always a big celebration there was, and the picnics and so on. Always, always, no matter where they went, they brought it with them. It was just, uh, and you know, we we still do, but we so we're not a little close knit group anymore. But we have, you know, the, there's a Lebanese uh, society here now, which you know got put together, and Sharon and uh, Dominic and a few more uh, still are very active in keeping that crowd together and every year there's a picnic or uh, some sort of an event and we share stories and share songs and just get together again not as much as they used to but you know certainly try to keep that alive for the generation behind me you know they're young and they they don't really realize they don't have my memories uh, but we're 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 doing our bit as much as we can. So a not with the same ease as was the case on New Gower Street uh, back in the day, but with a little extra effort. A little extra effort, yeah. And I guess part of it too, um, we don't have to anymore. You know, there there was a certain um, I know there there was a certain comfort in having your own people around you. And I'm sure there still is. I mean, if a Newfoundlander goes away, we will find Newfoundlanders. You know, that's, that, uh, that holds true. But think about it now, Linda. When I was a little girl, I, I was long black hair, and my little sisters were long black haired little girls, and we did fit the mold. So we got called words that you don't call people now because we were different. Um, and I had an Irish mother, luckily enough, who who had a very strong sense, sense of self because she married a man who was not white. Um, and uh, when we'd come home, and you know, a couple of my little sisters would come home crying. I remember saying that they had been called a certain word, and my mother would say, "They're just saying that to you because you're so beautiful and you're exotic." Of and course. So, in in our psyche, because of the the family, but also mom lived with my grandmother and you know dad's family for the first part of their marriage. Um, that that word exotic replaced other words, and so I guess part of it was also we have that sense of community and self and whatever, but but there's also that protection in being among your own. And that's not as necessary now, although some would argue that, I guess, um, in these days. But it, 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 in some instances, was necessary then. I'm going to get my cue here from um, Dave. We're good to go. Okay, we're going to take that little break now, (laughs) Terry, give you a chance to get a glass of water and catch your breath uh, and continue this fascinating conversation right after this. Our guest today on On Target is Terry Andrews uh, of the uh, local Lebanese community here in Newfoundland and Labrador that have had such a huge influence on all parts of this province. We'll be back right after this.
Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. Guest today on On Target is Terry Andrews. She's talking about the Lebanese community here in Newfoundland and Labrador because she is a proud member. And Terry, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr. And he's got this great show on PBS, Finding Your Roots. And he's just one of the most brilliant, I suppose, broadcasters I think I've ever seen and he's so good at getting information out of people and that sort of thing and he explores uh, famous people's histories so here I am doing the same with you and and, um, one of the themes that comes up on his show all the time of course is is of this 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 sense of the immigrant coming over and the difference that they make and what they leave behind and what they forge ahead with. And so many members of the Lebanese community here in Newfoundland and Labrador made lives for themselves. They didn't just make lives for themselves. They became prominent and successful citizens and, you know, leaders and decision makers. What made them so successful? I think it's probably pure grit determination. Um, you know, um, hard workers. I mean, it's it's an ethic that's bred into it was bred into us. And uh, I'm telling you, it was you worked very hard. Uh, you found joy in what you were doing, and uh, you, you the the sense of community. I think extended beyond the family. Then, so it only makes sense to me that people like, you know, uh, Mayor Gazine or or uh, my cousin Lorraine Michaels or whoever would run for public office or Dr. Maroon or Sharon Dominic would go into medicine and, and so many of us who are into um, the arts are not just performing. Like Janet Michaels out there running a theatre in Kamloops and I, that's what I do. And, and uh, you know, my some of my cousins are out there running production companies and so on. Uh, that's, I think a lot of that has to do with community, the sense of community and, and leading in the community. And a lot of it has to do with work ethic. And that, that, uh, I guess that lack of fear. I mean, if you've yeah. got fear, you're, you're not going to make that move. You're going to stay where you are and you're going to well, yeah, that's put true. your head down and, and, and try not to cause too much trouble and, you know, <laughs> not make yourself Ooh, noticed. Not <laughs> um, well, we but, will be heard whether you like it or not. <laughs> but to have that, whatever it takes to, to, like I said, get on that boat and just yeah, go. Yeah. You think about it. I mean, uh, and it makes sense, you know, that we would be, that we would feel so at home in Newfoundland, I guess, when you think about it, because you think of everyone who ever went to sea. You don't have to be from another country. You just can look at the seafaring nature of the, the Newfoundlander, if you will. I mean, we all came from somewhere on this island, for sure. But um, that adventurous spirit and that bravery or that uh you know, maybe it's just foolishness. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you can see that pretty evident in any community. In if you if you trace back and say, what does it take to go out on the ocean? What does it take to go out now offshore? What does it take to to go to Alberta and work? It's 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 evident, I suppose, in uh, in the Newfoundlander, um, and maybe that's why. 
the Lebanese people felt so akin because it is the same sort of adventurous spirit and bravery. It does take bravery. I guess I'm benefiting from uh, from the bravery of my forebears for sure. You made the pilgrimage. You went back to yep. Lebanon. Tell us a little bit about that. You told me a little something about it earlier that gave me goosebumps. What was that? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, my cousin Lorraine went over a few years ago, and she sought out uh, our my, my grandmother's and her grandmother's um, or grandfather's um, nephew, who now just passed away this year at 93 years old. So... I was trying and trying. She she found him in in Hedith and visited and and brought back a little video clip for our family reunion, and he was living in this house. And when she kept asking him, and this is a preamble here, she kept asking him, "I want to see the house where uh, where uh, you know the family grew up." And she thought, "Well, I guess I'm not getting there because he." She says he he didn't respond to her that day. And the next morning, the next day, opened up the door and said, "Would you like to come down and see the house?" And the the present house was built on this stone house, which was a one room thing, and the whole family was in this one stone room and it still existed underneath the house so he sent a message and i said i am going back and of course there's always travel advisories about the middle east and you know lebanon and and if you always wait for the travel advisory say it's okay to go you will never go so my friend jackie and i um went to egypt and i said well i really want to go to lebanon but we'll we'll make the call when we're in egypt for a while and everywhere we went in egypt they said oh my god yes you got to go to lebanon it's it's a wonderful place it's great fun and so we got on a plane and landed in egypt and we had a hotel booked for one night and they said in beirut and they said what are you coming for and i said well i'm coming to find my family when I got to the hotel on the bedside table, there was a card that said, welcome home. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And when I came through the uh, immigration at the airport in Beirut, we went through and Jackie, you know, they said, why are you here? She said a visit and I'm Canadian. And they, you know, took her $25 or whatever it was or 25 bucks, and uh, stamped her passport and then said to me, where are you from? I said, Canada. Uh, why are you here? I said, I'm here to find my family. And they said, what about your family? I said, well, my family is from Hadith al and I'm here to find my, my family. And I went to pass the guy the money, and he pushed it back to me, and he said, he stamped my passport, and he said, welcome home. You're a daughter of Lebanon. Oh, and my. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah, and it went from there. So it's not surprising to me that the sense of family and community is so strong within, you know, the group here. Um, you know, we we have our spats like anyone, but if anyone ever threatened anyone that's belonged to you, you know. So then we get in the, the, the young fellow who's driving, I said, I, I need to find, I want to go find my family. I need, I need to go to the mountains. And I, I don't know. He said, I'll take you. So for the next three days, this guy drove us and we went up to the village and I stood in front of the sign to get my picture. And, a, and a, an old guy in a truck came down and he, and he spoke in Arabic to um, Abraham and said, what are these women doing? And uh, Abraham said, well, they're from Canada. She's looking for her, her family. And he said, who are you looking for? And he said, Daniela Leah. And the man said, uh, he's an old man. And he said, yes. 
So he said, follow me, I'll take you. It was just like being out, you know, in Hermitage somewhere. And the boy said, yes, yes, I can take you. So we followed him to the house. And when I met my cousin, Danielle, uh, he said, who are you? And I said, I'm Terry. I'm Otla's granddaughter, Ella. And uh, he started to cry and he said, I knew someone belonged to Atla would come see me sometime. And he welcomed me into the home, which is the home on top of the old homestead. And uh, he said when he was a teacher, um, when he was younger and he was a teacher, he said, I used to write Auntie Atla in English to practice my English. And, uh, you know, I would send those letters. And I said, yes, I have your letters. And, you know, this is 60 years ago or 50 years ago. And uh, I said, but Auntie Atla couldn't read English. She could only read Arabic. So she would call a little nine-year-old girl to come in and read those letters to her. And I'm that little girl. So, you know, I said, I have your letters, Danielle. I used to read your letters (laughs) to your auntie. Yeah. Just amazing. And so this was just as important to him as it was to you. Yes, uh, it was. I mean, we we filmed it and, and you know, he filmed something for the family saying, come visit me, come visit me, but but don't take your time about it. I'm 90. (laughs) Um, But yes, he said these letters were all that connected him to his auntie who took care of him when he was a baby or he knew or, uh, you know, she meant a lot to him. But um, he, he said he had been waiting since she went over there uh, for someone belonged to her to come visit him. And he had faith that before he died, someone would. Oh, it's just amazing, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't it? Uh, family, uh, they say it's thicker than water, isn't it? Blood is thicker yeah. than water. You know, it is because when he opened up his arms and he put his arms around me, I felt like I had come into the embrace of someone who I was meant to be in that embrace. It, it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And and I also, I had his thoughts on paper from decades before. So you knew this man, you knew him. I knew him, but he didn't know I knew him. You know, he didn't know that Siti was having these letters read to him until I told, uh, you know, read for her until I told him and he just started to cry. And it's, you know, and even... I mean, you talk about the Lebanese, and, and I guess people say it about Newfoundlanders too. You know, it is what it is. But this guy, Abraham, who drove me around for three days, and I called him little brother. And by the end of it, you know, I'd say little brother, and we would WhatsApp each other back and forth. And when they had the big explosion in Beirut a few years ago, I contacted him on WhatsApp and said, how are you? And he said, uh, and I, you know, I met him coming from the airport in the, in the taxi. Um, he said that he was 10 kilometers away from the blast site and it blew the windows out of his apartment. And he said, our lives are not the same. Our government collapsed. Our money collapsed. Um, you know, I don't have the money to put my kids back in school. And I said, uh, little brother, you have family. And I went to my friend, Jackie, who was with me. I said, Jackie, I'm putting in so much money. Uh, can you, you want to, she said, I'll match it. So she matched me a few hundred dollars. And then I called Sharon Dominique at the um, Lebanese Association. And I said, um, you know, we give 
to people that we don't know. Here's someone I do know. And they immediately came back and said, okay, yep, we'll, we'll do it too. And I contacted Abraham and said, go to your bank. We're sending you the money to put your children back in school. And that's the way the Lebanese are. When I made that call to the association here, they went, uh, that's one of us. And so now he, he contacts me and says, how are you, sister? And so on. And that is the way it is. And that's oh. what makes us strong. That's beautiful. I was waiting for you to say, and then he moved to Newfoundland. <laughs> well, you know, that's, he's, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised because we're back and forth. And all just a random, he was the person that picked you up at the airport. He was the person who picked me up at the airport, and I said, I need help. I need someone to, to get me there. And he took the next three days, and he said, I'll take you. Uh, and just that idea of, you know, a one kindness brings another kindness and all of those things. Just a, mm-hmm. amazing. He helped you, so you're helping him. Um, oh, absolutely. And he was affected by that blast. I mean, that blast was unbelievable. That was like an atomic bomb. That was unreal. Oh, it, it, yeah. And some of, you know, where we stayed, when Jackie and I got to our hotel, because I don't know what I was expecting going to Beirut, but I didn't expect old Montreal. And that's what it was like where we were. I said, oh, my God, Jackie, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's fabulous here. Uh, a lot of that isn't there anymore. Wow. Um, Terry, we're out of time. I feel like I could talk about this forever with you. This is amazing. I I really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thanks so much. And um, do keep us informed of the the comings and goings of the Lebanese community. I I know they had a big get-together, and you referenced that not too long ago. Let us know when there's another one, and we'll make sure that we let people know about that. The great Newfoundland Lebanese diaspora. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're here, and I'm here in the, I'm here now in the glacier, setting up for Frosty Festival show, and uh, you know I'm going down on the floor now and doing what we do, which and is we, entertain. We didn't even get a chance to talk about kinky boots, and <laughs> anyway, that's hey, a whole you know other what? thing. Thank you. VLCM is doing lots of talking about kinky boots, and I'm so totally delighted with it, and and grateful. And yep. You can, I'm, I'm like General Hillier now, leading from the rear. <laughs> really appreciate your time, Terry. All the best to you. Get back to all that busy, busy work you do. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll be back tomorrow. Do stay tuned for that. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone.